Hey, hey, hey. What's happening? How you doing, Doc? I'm doing well, my friend. Welcome, everyone, to Religiously Incorrect Podcast. Yes, it sir. is uh, Sunday, October 25th, and uh, we this are is not episode uh, three. <laughs> <laughs> episode pi 3.14. <laughs> Improper fraction. <laughs> Carry the one. Right. K1, what's happening? Good evening, black peoples, white peoples, everybody oh, in between. Hey, you know, K- I, I hope all y'all peoples who watching, who getting on, jumping on, I hope y'all jump to them polls today. Listen, souls to the polls. Yes. I'll be so glad when this is over. You know what, Jeff? I'll be honest. I am disappointed. I really need to see at least two really crazy political ads before this election is, is over. And it, it could be. It should be. To be something honest. needs to come. I mean, I need to see like a man wrestling an alligator or something or you know, just just some insanity. I mean. Well, I tell you what, it wasn't insanity, but uh, uh, my man Barack put it down up there in Chicago. Was Listen. In Chicago? Was he in Chicago? Yeah, the brother wasn't playing. The brother wasn't playing. He he he's practically preaching now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He, he's practically preaching now. And so, are you fired up? Right. Are yeah. You fired up? Right, right. I, I was waiting for him to turn and be like, "Put me in E flat." <laughs> Organist, put me in E flat. Uh, yes, K one. We got rid of our Boost Mobile <laughs> internet. <laughs> Hey, ever since T-Mobile and Sprint, you know, came together, it's been a, it's been nothing good, man. I'm about to tweet at him, man. I love Jeff tweeting at companies. Uh, I love tweeting at companies just to see if they'll answer me. That's hilarious. No, Sister Dev, this is not a red cup. This is a white cup. This is a sanctified cup. I got a red cup. Oh, you got a red cup. Well, Jeff ain't saved. <laughs> Jeff. I, hey, Jeff. These, these was dollar cake. Listen, before y'all... This is what's in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. You didn't tell us what you poured in there before you showed it to us, though. All right. Let's knock this out right quick. The Browns pulled out the win, and yeah. so did the Steelers. And, and and both by the hair on our chinny-chin. The chinny-chin-chin. <laughs> the chinny-chin-chin. Now, I mean, to be fair, we played a much better team than the Browns played. But I don't think records tell the whole story these days. Uh, uh, the, the Bengals, Joe Burrow looks like he can be pretty good. You know, I hope he doesn't get knocked around too bad early in his career. That always ruins oh, young quarterbacks. Yards as a rookie, that's that's a yeah, that's phenomenal. He he's doing his thing. I think you know, Cincinnati got a bright future. But I am, I, and as a person who absolutely despises and hates Pittsburgh, I am truly impressed with uh with the way y'all playing, man. I I, I did not I did not see it coming. I did, I would have never. Bet a million dollars that y'all will be six and oh. I, I, Man, I mean, they coming up with stars I didn't even know existed. I mean, this dude like Deontay Johnson. I'm like, this cat was at my family reunion last summer. I'm like, this, I, this cat, he wasn't even like a real Johnson. He just showed up for a plate. You know what I'm saying? And now he's catching right, touchdown right, passes. Right, right. But it is what it is. So, I mean, who, go ahead. Who, who won the World Series? Wasn't that yesterday or something? I don't think anybody won it yet. I think, are they still oh, playing tonight? They're the playing party. right now. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know who in it. I ain't even gonna lie. Listen, you know, I'll be honest. I haven't watched a lick of baseball since my uh, wife's grandfather died because he was the one 
that I used to have to go into the house. I remember. I remember. Sundays after church. Man, the Steelers is on. This cat sitting there watching the Indians. I'm like, dude. Hey, hey. And then you'd be like, hey, we over grandma's house. Come on by. Nah, You're like, nah. I'm not watching baseball today. I come to get a plate. <laughs> you come to get a plate for grandma. We're, We're not watching baseball or, or cowboy movies. Uh, that's the Man, all the old brothers love them cowboy movies. But, yeah, bless his soul. You know, it looks like uh, L.A., the Dodgers are up 3 nothing, But the okay. series is tied, so they got more games to go. Okay. They got more games to go. So, you know, it's good to see everybody. Going to get a couple hellos in. Good to see you, uh, Miss Debbie. Good to see you. So glad that you, you're in the room. Mary Morgan Hoke, uh, good to see you. Pastor Tatum Osborne, uh, good to see you as well. If you're watching, please take the time to share, to like. Leave those hearts. Let us know that you're listening and, and watching. The more you spread the good word of religiously incorrect, the more uh, we can continue to spread this influence. Uh, because Pastor Jeff and I got something to say. Yes, we do. We need can the world to hear it. Can we can we get Pastor Tatum Osborne on for First Ladies? Yeah, well? we got to get her on. But she's more than a, a First Lady. You know, she's a co-pastor. I know. And that I, might I, be a good. That might be a good. Yeah. That's what I'm saying for the whole thing, that whole thing. Hey, Pastor Kevin, good to see you. Her husband, Pastor Kevin, is watching as well. Praise uh, he, God. Uh, they're, they're my Berean brothers and sisters, and we're bringing Jeff into the fold. I keep He was planning on coming with us this year, but then COVID happened. But I'm bringing Pastor Jeff into the Berean fold. Let's go. Let's That's go. That's it. All right, listen. Tonight's subject is called the millennial mindset. Mm. Now, Jeff, early on in our show, we actually talked a little bit about church style transition and we were just kind of confining it to church right, culture. Right. We were talking about, you know, how the younger generation comes up, views things different, sees things different. You've talked about your daughter. She's in her 20s, uh, how expectations are different, how generations are trying to cross over. But we don't want to uh, confine this just to religion or, or church. But I think it would be good to not talk about millennials, but talk with a millennial. Two one, you know. Uh, so hey, Kelvin Parks and uh, right, Sarah, yeah. Sarha, thank you for watching, Sarah. Appreciate you, Sarah. I'm sorry, I almost said your name wrong. Thank you for watching. Uh, so we found a millennial, and I think he, he's an excellent young man, uh, doing great things in our community. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's the grandson of, of one of my favorite people in the world, mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Frederick Harris. Uh, yeah, Fred if you want, if you want a history lesson that you didn't ask for. <laughs> You know exactly where the line Listen. Impressive is. Hey, stop right there. He knows. Yes, yes, yes. He's like, I know who put that brick up. I did that. And then I was there. And, and what I love is uh, we still have elders with us who know not just like American black history, but like right up the street from us history. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So Mr. Harris is a political genius, former safety service director uh, in the city of Warren. This is his grandson, who is an entrepreneur, a young native of the city of Warren, Ohio, making it happen. And I'm really proud of him and many other millennials who are doing the thing. They doing the doggone thing. You know, people talk so much about how our young people are lost and ain't about nothing, but that's a lie, man. There's more people doing positive things in that younger generation, and they're just not on the news, thank God, looking crazy because they're too busy grinding, Absolutely. right? That's a great thing. So, so our guest tonight, welcome to the Religiously Incorrect stage. Everybody, give it up with some hand claps, some hearts, and some likes for Mr. Darius 
Harris, Mr. Darius Harris. Right, welcome, right. welcome, welcome, brother. Welcome, my brother. How you doing, man? How's it going, my brothers? Man, we're doing well for a Sunday night. You know, we uh, took our preacher naps. You know, we took our preacher naps. <laughs> yeah. Gotta get them good preacher naps, eh? Listen, here's chicken. Yeah, yeah, some chicken. <laughs> some chicken. Hey, Zena, how you doing? Your mama on. Say, say, there you go. <laughs> Listen, you know when mama tune in, now we can't cuss or nothing. We can't. <laughs> <laughs> we can't act up. But but here's how it goes on a Sunday. You know, for a preacher or any church person, you know, you get your service in. You know, you eat something. And you watch the first game. And I can guarantee you, no church folk are watching the four o'clock game. Or at least we don't get past the, the, the first quarter because we'll be knocked out. Then the previews, we watch the previews like a mug. It'd be knocked out. So we just woke up. But Darius is, uh, you're the CEO and, and you, you started your own company. And I'm so proud of a young black man, a young millennial called TRF Marketing. Yes, and uh, I'm wearing one of your shirts right now. Matter of fact, let me stand up and show it to y'all. Hey. We stand as one, uh, the Friends of Liberation Historical Foundation, a project he's working on with his grandfather. Uh, you're working on that with Mr. Fred Harris, right? Yes, sir. And uh, he also did our Ivo Black t-shirts. And I'm just going to shout them out. You know, we, we work with different vendors and companies, and I don't mind spreading the love all around. But if you need some work done, man, check out Darius. Get a quote, you know. Doc, I'm, I'm going to be calling. Matter of fact, after the show is over, we're going to talk because I need something done ASAP. Yes, sir. Yes, right. sir. See, see what I'm talking about? Let me get that commission, Darius. Let me get, let me get you, 10% man. of them sales. Hey, I got you. <laughs> Why don't you start off by telling me about that? What, what was the, the, Friends, the Friends of Liberation? Yeah, tell me about that foundation. What is, what is that? So what it is, is is my grandfather, he started up the whole organization and everything. And what we're doing is we're documenting all African-American history across the whole Mahoney Valley. And then we're, we hopefully it gets bigger than that and we can document across the whole entire America. But first, we're doing all the basics solely documenting the Mahoney County. Okay. And from I love it. at the Steel Valley. Wow. I love it. And like I said, when we were introducing you. There's so much rich, rich history right here. You know, uh, the church, Pastor Jeff and I, the churches we pastor, Progressive and Second, uh, they are a wealth of history. I mean, people have come through our churches over the years, the decades uh, that really make up who we are and where we come from. And that brings us to one of our, you know, subjects that we want to talk with you about politics and faith from a millennial perspective is, you know, I know it grieves me, and I'm sure Pastor Jeff feels the same way, that we're a little bit older in this journey. We're not quite at, you know, grand grandfather stage yet, but we're now, you know, we're on our way, though, you know, with families and, and all that, is we see the gap. And, you know, what's weird is people who might be your grandfather's age, people who might be in their 50s and 60s, automatically assume that because I'm in my 30s, uh, because Jeff is a young pastor, that we automatically have a lock on you. You know, like we automatically know what you're thinking, how to reach you. People tell me all the time, oh, man, we just need you. If you reach all them, I'm like, look, if I could, they'd be all up a second right now. You know, you know, we get some, but we miss a lot. So I want to start because it's political season. Starting from this crazy race that we're in right now, (laughs) from the debates, Mm -hmm. from the president we have to the president that the, uh, the, the candidate, the Democrats have chosen to uh, be a part of this. How do you think millennials are viewing this 
political race right now? Well, to be honest, right now, you got a vast majority of millennials that really don't even care. And then you got this small bunch right here that's trying to get that push for the other half just so we all can come together, so we all can at least vote or at least come together to uh, plan to at least get into politics and see a little bit more like what can this set of group do to help the big bunch. And right now it's just hard trying to get the big mass to actually get inside there, to actually do their due diligence and do the voting, to actually do their research and stuff like that. But for the small bunch that's actually doing their due diligence, doing their research and they're pushing and all that, they're actually in there, like in the game, they actually doing their job. But it's just hard getting the other half to do due diligence. But what exactly, what exactly is the pushback? Now, I mean, I, I can recall being your age and I can recall saying myself, you know, uh, our vote don't matter. Not, I mean, out of ignorance, not out of uh, knowledge, knowledge. You know, I, I felt like you know the black, the black man's young black man's vote didn't matter, and they don't care about the hood and all, all of this and all of that. Uh, what, what is, what is the, what is the pushback from our young African Americans, young brothers and sisters? Period. You just said it right there. That's the pushback. Or the, like I said about the large the large um, portion that doesn't actually go into politics, doesn't do the voting, they feel like their voice doesn't matter because everything that they're trying to do, it's like the older generation, they're not trying to listen, actually hear us out to see what are our plans is, what do we want to do for the future. They just want to just, they got their mind already set. Like, you're going to do this, and that's just how it's going to be. And that's yeah. why, that's the big pushback right there. You know, I saw a meme on Facebook and honestly, I hate to see it because it's cynical and I feel it discourages people. But at the same time, you can't deny it's true. And it was a meme that says the hood before the election, the hood after the election. Uh And it's the same hood. And you know what? Wow. I've been living in war for 38 years, man. It's the only place I've ever known outside of going to college. And I've been walking around the west side of Warren, in particular, the sixth (laughs) ward. Second Baptist, I go for my walks. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, you know, the Hanna Terrace ain't changed before Obama, after Obama, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> Trump, before Trump, after Trump, Fourth Street, Third Street, Second Street, you know, besides just the natural decline, you know, more families moving away or whatever. It's not like anybody. And if somebody said my vote doesn't matter, I mean, we, and, and so I want to talk about this because. When you talk about that vote not mattering, and then a lot of our older elders, and they are not wrong, they talk about what does matter, but it doesn't always matter to you immediately. Right. So they'll say things like, you know, vote for health care. You know, what about your grandparents? You know, mm-hmm. what about this? You know, uh, what about they'll, they'll take away your Medicaid, your welfare, your this, your that. Honestly, do you really believe, and maybe this is a yes, no question, that all that'll just go away if you don't vote the way they tell you to vote? No. Okay. But I mean, that's a fair, that's a fair answer because honestly, 
things do get drawn back over the years. Sometimes, you know, benefits are expanded. When I was coming up in the 90s, uh, and, and I was like, you know, my grandparents had CNN on all the time, so I had to watch this stuff. Like, 24-hour news was just coming up when I was young. I remember when they had adjusted welfare, what they called welfare to work. You remember welfare to work, Jeff? Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, I was too young. I'm just a kid with a two-parent home working GM, so it's not my life. But I'm hearing about, you know, people I know go to school, you know, after so long, they're going to put you off of welfare. You got so, you know, long to get to work and, you know, and all that. And that was in the 90s under under Democrats, you know. But honestly, sometimes you just don't see the immediate thing. And I want to hit one other thing and ask you a question out of this. Uh, We're often told to vote because of our elders and our ancestors who marched and suffered and bled and died. And Mm -hmm. I'll be honest. Sometimes it feels like we keep beating you guys up with that message and that you respect the fact that people bled and died for your rights. But that doesn't change the fact that you don't see the immediate effect of your vote. So besides the historical thing and the vote for your grandparents, my question would be, what's not being said that you want someone to say to you about voting? Well, we want to know, like... For voting, like the whole process to us, it seems like everything moves too slow. Okay. Everything's been the same way since. It seems like it's been the same way since I've been born. The whole process, is, ain't nothing changes, basically what I'm saying. And we're all still in the same predicament as what we were. I mean, not saying we're in the same predicament, we're slowly progressing forward and forward and forward throughout, but there hasn't been nothing like no big changes, like major things that we actually asked for. Like how you said about Warren, it's been the same way since I've been alive, like nothing's changed. And it's like, we do all this asking and stuff for all these politicians and stuff. And like you, they get the vote, they're gone. You don't hear from them again. And it's like, we keep doing this and they keep doing the same thing to us. And it's been the same thing throughout the years. And then, it's like maybe once every blue moon, they'll give us a scrap and then we're satisfied. And then it's like, what are we going to do with the scrap? It's like we take the scrap and then we basically give it back. We don't do nothing with it. We don't build off of it. And that's basically what we see with that process. Okay. That's, that's, what I, that's where I, when I look at it, it, to me, I look at these young millennials and I see that, you know, our politicians are saying a lot of the right words, but mm-hmm. the actions don't line up with what they say. Uh-huh. And so it, it, it gives them hesitance and it gives them pause to, you know, really step out because, you know, you've said all these things and you've never done made good on the words you said. And, you know, I, not, that's just a, a genuine thing throughout, you know, somebody continues to tell you something and they're not doing what they're telling you they're going to do. And which we know, that's politics, <laughs> you know, yeah. To, yeah. to put stuff out there and make you feel like you're going to be that they're going to be that guy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think that part of it is they're not always doing it to us like they intended to, like, lie to get an office. Right, and then right. they're like, they go back and like lighting cigars like, ah, you know, I got it. But I think. <laughs> but I think sometimes politics and the process happens to them. Mm, I think a lot of idealistic people run for office 
and they get bogged down. Uh, I watched the John Oliver show, and I wish he didn't cuss so much because he has some um, amazing insight. He's pretty liberal, but he does tell the truth statistically about things. He talks about like how much time congressmen and senators have to spend just doing fundraising, how they spend most of their time fundraising so that they can keep up for every next campaign and that they have to not just on behalf of themselves but on behalf of their party they're required to do so much phone calls literally like they literally might as well work for a vxi <laughs> or or or, or lorica we used to call it west uh so i agree with you as a young pastor i feel exactly what darius is saying one of my biggest complaints about church is, truth be told, it got me in trouble. You know, young, hot-headed. You know, I still push a lot. The honest fact is, this world has started moving very, very fast, and some elements of this world are still not moving fast enough to match the pace of how this world is moving. And I really do believe that the black community, in a way, it's a tension. And I see a lot of comments. Uh, Elder Rosetta Carter, bless you. Thank you for your comments. She's an advocate with action in Youngstown and Mahoney Valley all around. And she does have a point that to build that critical mass you were talking about, Darius, getting that mass together, it does take time. Do you know how many times the evangelicals lost, the religious right lost, the conservatives lost while they were steady building steam, steady building steam, steady building steam? The next, you know, bam. They're basically running it from the 80s on through like their presence has basically dominated the last 40 years of our politics, the religious right, the moral majority. Now, these folks was preaching against rock music and society going down since like the 40s and 50s. <laughs> they were. I mean, like Chuck Berry was sending everybody to hell and, you know. <laughs> Let's just be honest for a second, Todd, because a lot of times I think us as as minorities, we're talking uh, Democrats, not not holding steadfast to their promises. But, you know, when you look at what Trump built his campaign on, which is basically building the wall and ending Obamacare, neither one of those are gone. <laughs> neither one of those are dead. You, the wall ain't built and right. Obamacare is still around. So. It's, it's, it's still around. And you're right. But, I, but I'll tell you what, man, uh, he has a mass behind him that will support the things that he does, mm -hmm. even if it's not even in their best interest. Right. And I, I want to talk about this because this hits a generational thing. This is where I can pick on your generation so, sometimes. Uh, I was I was sitting at a uh, football game with uh, Mr. Sonny Morgan, the wonderful uh, Mr. Sonny Morgan, one of Jeff's members, one of the hardest working activists Absolutely. in our in our area. At eighty some, he was eighty four, eighty five years old. Uh, this brother is moving better than us. And I was sitting next to him at a Harding game. Long story short, and he was getting more and more upset at how the young people were behaving on the field like after every play, like every celebration. And, and he was right because sometimes they would get like, you know, delay a game penalties or not be set in their place because every tackle, you got to get up and mug and flex and do all this stuff. And I started to think about that. I started to think about that, that sometimes one facet of black culture and especially young black culture is we spend so much time celebrating that we don't spend time grinding. And I think that that was a part of our Obama issue. We're sitting here in 2020 talking about what he didn't do, but many people will tell you what we didn't expect him or push him to do because we were so happy to have a black man in office 
worried about having a black man in office, talking about the historical nature of it, buying plates and making, you know, commemorative <laughs> posters. And we got, we didn't added Obama to the Malcolm X and Martin Luther King <laughs> painting. And we spent so much time doing that, that often we might celebrate getting Trump out if we vote him out so long that we don't get to work on what we expect from Biden and Harris. Absolutely. And I think that's a big part of our generation, your generation, the younger ones. It's like sometimes it's more about the party and I want to see it right now. I want to talk about this. But it's like, what work will we do in between mm -hmm. the elections? And what do you think about that? I think you're right, because a lot with my generation, from what I see, because I can't really speak on a lot, because I know I try to separate myself from the masses. And what I see is a lot. They don't like the work process. I feel you. Mm -hmm. And that's all it is. It's that work process. And that's what a lot of the, the millennials, they need to work on. Even me, myself, because at times the work process, we don't, we always like seeing the end result and that end result, that, that image and that feeling. It's right. like we forget about the whole work process or in order to get to there you got to work to get there and that's all it is and and politics is the same way you mm -hmm. have to lobby call pressure push be in people's faces and and i would say this is a prime time to understand that you know i, I there's been some quotes we, we, don't, we don't always attribute quotes to the right people but you know we have no permanent friends no permanent enemies only permanent interests mm -hmm. What is your interest? And, you know, I have some Democrat allies. I have some Republican allies. I have some Democrat friends who are upset that I associate with some Republican politicians and interests. And, of course, Republicans would love for me to just totally detach from Democrats. How do you look at the two-party system, Darius? How do young people, millennials, look at the Democrat? Is it really like choosing between two devils for y'all? Not really. We're just on the side who is for us. I feel you. So it's like, it don't really matter if you're a Democrat or Republican. Because me, myself, personally, whoever does the most for black people, that's the side that I'm on. And everybody else is just, what if you're on our side, if you can do the best benefit best for us, we're going to rock with you. We're all the way with you. We're going to make sure you're the guy that's going to basically push the agenda. Right. I love it, man. Do you? So would you support the Republicans and, be, and vote Republican if they had a plan for reparations for black people? Of course. The Repu Well, the blacks used to, uh, they used to be Republicans all the right. way. Mm -hmm. yeah, we need to get back to that. Hey, we got a, we, we got a young brother that knows his history. And that, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's true. You know, I had a, I had a white friend who sent me an article. You know, and it was one of those real slanted articles about, you know, did you know that Democrats started the KKK? And did you know that the first black senators were Republicans? And I said to him, yes, you know, I'm aware of that. You know, I'm aware that Republicans are the party of Lincoln. I said, but you know what concerns me more is that after that history of Democratic, at least what the Democratic Party stood for at that time, after that mm -hmm. history, knowing all of that, the atrocities, undoing Reconstruction, you know, progress, running blacks out of politics, you know, removing from them the right to vote that they actually had for a while in the 19th mm -hmm. century. I said, it's sickening for me to think that by the, by the time the 60s and the 70s rolled around, the Republicans actually thought that was a good idea 
to take on that angle for their own political purposes. So it's like you saw what happened. Many of those Southern Democrats are what we used to call Dixiecrats. Mm-hmm. Like Strom Thurmond was a Democrat at first, right? Uh, Strom Thurmond was a Democrat. Then he's like more of a Dixiecrat, the Southern Democrats. Then by the time you get to the late 60s, 70s, and you know 80s, they've switched over to Republicans. So I'm sitting here like, well, they got on this law and order, war on drugs, you know, prison, you know, pipeline kind of stuff. And, and that dog whistle politics, that moral politics, that that black criminal is going to get out of jail and kill your daughter and all that stuff. They picked up knowing history. Right. They literally said, hey, we'll take the racist baton from the Democrats. <laughs> and, you know, and so I think it's true that I think a younger generation is going to have to be very bold with our elders who the generation they know is the generation of blacks always aligning with Democrats. And I think Pastor Tatum Osborne said a great thing. I want to make sort of a conversation piece and kind of go to the next part is that we need to stop being on anybody else's side and start being on our side. So I'd like to ask a question, Pastor Jeff, that Pastor Tatum Osborne posed. And Mike, you can put it up on the screen. Uh, The question was, do you think it's time to take the lead for our change instead of waiting on politicians to do it for us? Do you think it's time to take the lead for a change? Well, I mean, I think we have to. I mean, how much lead can we, how much, as far as taking the lead? I mean, you mean in the community, as far as in the community, as far as, you know, doing what we can do as pastors. I think that's a great thing to try to to take the lead. But I think we we have to try to marry politicians uh, or politics and religion as far as bringing it together, because there's only so much we can do for our community outside of, you know, what the politicians can do. You know, I need to work with my uh, councilman. I need to work with my mayor. I need to work with uh, those who have that authority to make these changes, to uh, install install this, uh, the police brutality and all that stuff and all the laws that need to be done. I think we need to marry those things. And I think that's one of the things that's not happening is that our churches are not working with these politicians. We don't know them. And I'm not you, saying all of them. Yeah. But well, it's right. Darius, go ahead. And I want, I'll give my perspective. All right. To answer the question, do you think it's time to leave? Yes, because me personally, I feel like first I would I don't want nobody to take the lead for me that doesn't know me, if it makes sense. No, I got right. you. Definitely. Definitely. So I feel like we need to take the lead first so they can take us seriously, because. If you keep asking or keep looking for something instead of just going out to get it when it's already there, because we already have resources locally. We got, like you said, um, you don't know um, the politicians that's in the local community and stuff like that, but there's ways to where you can get there. Just go down there and storm them and know who you are. And they'll, Possibly, like I said, they can't run away from you forever if you go there every single day. So, right, right, <laughs> they can't keep ducking you. So it's like there's different ways and different alternatives that you can that you can do. And then also, it's like there's different like you got different like other community leaders that you know. It's like go to them 
and y'all connect at a local, like community level, then go down to city hall and then build from that. Cause you can't build nationally unless you got something already there. Right. So it's like you got to build from the bottom up is basically what I'm saying. I feel you. I, I would like to slightly not, not disagree, but add on to what pastor Jeff was talking about with the, the, the marriage between the, the, the church, in particular the black church and, and politics. I think we've done enough of that, but not always to the right effect. We've allowed them to come in, give their little speeches, right. kiss our babies, you know, take pictures with church mothers in their big hats and say, I'm all about faith. I think that there's a key part to the mix for black empowerment, for community empowerment, for the hood that we keep leaving out, especially as pastors who are a part of this conversation. And people automatically make us leaders, even though many of us are not civically minded leaders. Now, we know a lot about what's going on because our members tell us, but all of us don't know how to operate in all of those spaces. We have to not just try to be politically powerful, but we have to work on being economically powerful. And I'm, as in, even as I'm thinking, I'm almost making a personal commitment that instead of inviting politicians to my church, I need to start inviting CEOs to my church. Yeah. I need to invite some of these people I have sat at tables with that, you know, I would give if Secretary LaRose, which I have no problem him getting up and talking to us about voting or what's happening. Or if our mayor comes, we honor him and allow him to talk about what he's doing in the city. But maybe I need to get that bank CEO to come and say hello to my congregation. Maybe I need to get that one who owns several corporations and is running these businesses because you know what? The politicians can promise jobs, but the business owners actually are hiring people. And I have had more direct contacts with people, you know, who can help provide opportunities. I have people who call me and say, do you have a young man who would like to work, you know, who's willing to train a hard worker? And I feel like we need as a church, I mean, as a community to start marrying what I would say, economics, faith and personal values. Mm -hmm. and, and so to add to that, as far as taking the lead, we have to be more cognizant and aware of what's going on in our communities, person to person and actually take the lead in addressing those things before somebody from the outside tries to handle it. And so I things, think we need to understand money is power and we do have money and we need to wield that power. We have a lot of money here. I love those walk to walk that you do. And please understand, I was not talking about them coming in. No, like, I, know. I know. I know you know that. I'm just saying, yeah. I'm, I'm saying like you said, we, we have to, we have to make, even when they make notes, holding them to the promises that they right. do. And like you said, grabbing some of these, uh, businesses in, in and I do think that, that that's what I meant by adding on to you if we had business allies speaking with us because their money talks even right. the money we don't have that they have mm -hmm. and if they start to interact with us more and they have the same concerns and some of the major players in regions or in cities are saying you know what mayor you know what governor I want to see this change because this community is an economic base for me. This community is an employment base for me. This community is where young black men and young black women are going to be employed by me. And they're saying that this is what they need to live more fruitful lives. And, you know, just like bus boycotts, it doesn't always have to be boycotting. It can be using business to add on to our pressure Absolutely. because our voices, let's be honest, we're 13 percent of the population in the United States of America. We often talk black, 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 but it's not like we're a majority population. We're 10% of the population in Trumbull County. Mm -hmm. I, you know, sometimes we kind of overstate our influence and don't understand the, me the meaning of the, uh, the uh, collaboration with others. Mike Ingram has a great question. That's a great question. Before, before we read that off, I want to just ask you real quick. You had, earlier, you said, I, I try to, I'm trying to, I, I, we went so many different places, but you said, you said you try to 
distance yourself from the from the crowd or something like that. I yeah. can't your exact wording, but can you just talk on that for a second? What did you mean by that? Well, me personally, it's when I say distance myself from the crowd, it's like a lot of people they move one way and I like to observe a lot. And I see people going through like a lot of cycles. They keep falling down, they keep falling down, they keep putting themselves back in the same predicament every single time. So when I said, I don't like to do that. I like to basically improve from all my failures. Okay. And that's the basic means of that. Okay, I feel you. Yes. Mike Ingram has a wonderful question that I think is excellent for this discussion. As a millennial, Darius, how serious do you take celebrities such as Kanye or a person like Ice Cube when they enter or give input in the race? Well, I don't even take them serious at all. Because <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> at, at the beginning, like at the end of the day, they're entertainers. You got to put that in perspective. So, and then you also got to look at what they do behind closed doors. They say one thing on the screen or in their music, but yet they live a totally different life. Mm. And it's like, Whenever they have inputs and stuff like on like either businesses or like uh, politics and stuff like that, it's like they really play the pool to what what is the party going to do for them? That's the game that they play because they don't even live the same life that we live on on this level. So you got to also put that in perspective. Like yeah. they, all, they live in a big, they, they got different taxes that they pay than us. So it's like, they, the way how it's set up is they need whoever can do something for them inside office. So whenever they say their stuff, they just want to basically split the vote. That's how I view that. Hmm. Hmm. So do you think that they are really truly concerned about you and Warren, Ohio? No. Or do you think they kind of like the status of being able to be a spokesperson because of their celebrity? That's what it is. Because you got to think, if they, if they didn't do nothing for Warren Ohio before, are they going to do anything for Warren Ohio now? Right. Do you, do you hold them, do you hold any of them different? Um, do you believe that? Because, I mean, just personally, uh, I, I like to listen to D.L. Hughley. I think he has a heart for politics. He does. He does. He's real. He's real. Right, 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 mm-hmm. right. So that's why I, I think there are some of them mm-hmm. who really has a heart. And, and it might not be worn, you know what I mean? But it's for the average citizen. Um, and so I think some of them really have a heart. I, for me, you know, Kanye ain't one of them. But, uh, <laughs> but I think that I have mixed opinions about Kanye. Yeah. Well, I think that they do have a platform that the average black person does not have. Mm-hmm. And but it's always hard to trust anybody who you feel is detached from your everyday life experience, no matter what color they are and no matter what. I mean, come on, man. We, you know, I, Of course, I wasn't even allowed or supposed to listen to Ice Cube when I was a kid. But, you know, my big brothers, you sneak and do it. And there's no doubt where they came from. But we've all learned. And I'm not saying you forgot where you came from. But what you said, Darius, is. They don't pay taxes like we do. They don't live like we do. I don't know how much time they spend. I'm not saying they have to spend time around our neighborhoods or even wherever they live, but it's not like they're in the grind every single day. So I do believe there's a concern, but there's also a detachment. And Mm -hmm. then I worry, and I got jumped on about this on Facebook, you know, like 
I'm glad that people like Ice Cube have this contract and whatnot, but sometimes I worry that that can be exploited by a party. I ain't heard President Trump say the word platinum plan one time in any debates, any of his speeches. So apparently we over here fighting about this platinum plan and arguing with each other about Ice Cube and Kanye. And we didn't tore each other down, cuss each other out on Facebook. Who's a sellout? Who's this? Who's that? You know, who doesn't understand how the game works? And we know we're doing all this crazy stuff. And the president who they're supposedly negotiating with ain't said one word about it in the debates. And I feel like almost like somebody you dating. Like if you can't mention me in public, then we, you know, if you can't. If he can't mention that he's doing something for black folk and specifically say that he is working on this plan or has sat down with black leaders, uh, you know, I have a problem with us spending so much time arguing about it. Jeff, you want to read the next question? Yeah. Before I read that, I just want to. I'm not 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 disagree. But no, I disagree, Doc. Let's fight. <laughs> just 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 and I'm, I'm not taking up for all these, but. When we say, and I know you're talking about detached as far as money, but I think, you know, I think some of these guys, you know, when they hear about the killings, feel it just as much as we do. I feel you. Black black woman, you know, when Beyonce or or one of them gets on on TV and makes a heartfelt, you know, so when we say detached from us, I know that they're in a different tax bracket. But the color of their skin is still the same. That's true. Yeah, that's that's true. true. That's you know. Now nah, I but, feel you. Okay. The question is, what challenges do you have as a millennial finding other millennials to collaborate with on with on building programs, businesses, pushing for change in the community, etc.? Very good question. <laughs> so, ego. Okay. Me, all that. So it's not just preachers. <laughs> <laughs> Every aspect, every aspect, because it's like everybody, they just, it's either they just don't believe like whatever mission, like whatever it is that y'all trying to go for, they don't believe in you. They got their own agenda. They want to either go in there and copy what it is that would, that what it y'all doing and do it on their own. And they just like to talk down, but that's the biggest biggest problem i have to say ego jealousy envy all that wow i i agree man i mean i i that 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 works at every stage every endeavor uh that we try to do as a people that always comes up you know i want to say one thing and i want to be the old curmudgeon so if y'all want to attack me y'all can i know we have a mostly older audience but uh i think there's a values gap with younger generations and when i say values i mean that as an I'm a pastor, a father, and I do come literally from old school values. And there's been a gap in what's been passed down with the last few generations of what acceptable behavior, living, language, whatever. And it used to be this big gap. Like if you're about something, if you're really positive making change, you just had this certain moral way of living. And even if you was a little messy, you just kind of keep it out the way. You, you, you leave that on the side. But now there's just this wide open, like I have dudes like, man, I want to partner with you in the community. I'm like, dude, you're going to come to the park, pass out book bags and smoke weed the whole time. Right, right, right. You're going to smell like that. (laughs) You're going to smell like it. You're going to, you know, all five of your baby mamas going to be there cussing and fighting each other. And and you act like it's normal. And then 
if I say, yo, we can't really have that element, yo, hey, tone down that music, hey, hey, don't turn that on right now, don't talk like that, you're judging, and you're, and I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, but there always used to be this, like, if you're doing good work, you kind of sort of were expected to portray a good image, and the idea of what a good image is now is really distinct from our older generation to our younger generation, and when they see y'all, they just don't see good images, and I think that's some of their problem because they just don't accept, like their parents didn't accept them, dressing different, mini skirts, whatever it is might've been back then. But even younger people don't respect sometimes that you do have to mold a different image and behavior and attitude to operate in certain serious places, at certain serious tables. Mm -hmm. To sit down with a group of preachers, you can't come in just like, this is how I am, this is what I do, just accept it. Like, nah, you, you, to be honest, no, not, not at every level. If I want you to come to Jesus, yeah. Right. If I'm about to partner with you on business or put my public face on you, nah, man, nah. You know, you. I'm not saying you, you're you not going to have your, your draws out and standing on the stage with me talking about we push mm -hmm. for political change. You know, it's. do you feel we put too much value as older people on a certain dignified image? Personally, I feel like on some on some things, yes. Okay, but I re I realized on most things it you guys need to have the value on those like how you said you can't have nobody with they busting the sag basically talking about politics and stuff like that. It's like you gotta most of our generation I feel like they don't understand that yet. Like a lot of now us I, is still have that young mindset. Now, I do think we can be too image conscious because as black people, we always felt like we had to go the extra mile to look like we belong. And mm -hmm. I think that there's a younger generation that's bold and courageous. And we think it's ignorant. We think it's, you know, you ain't got no home training. But really, some of you are way more secure in yourselves than we are. Absolutely. And I'll be honest, than, than we are. Absolutely. And and honestly, whether you wear a suit and tie or whether you bust a sag, you're a voter. You know, whether or not you go to church every Sunday and sing hallelujah or whether you just kick it with your boys here and there, you still care about what's happening in the community and, and want to see people rise up. So honestly, it's not always judgmental. It's just a distance age gap. You know, it's just a distance age gap of expectations. It's like I was raised like unthinkable. And we always joke about the old mothers looking up people up and down. But we were all raised with a certain thing. You know, if I said I was going to come kick it with you, Darius, out with your boys, and we're going to go to the spot where y'all hang out, and I show up with a preppy sweater on and, <laughs> and some tight khakis, y'all going to look at me like I don't belong, right? You're going to look at me like, this place, this space, you're supposed to come a certain way. We're going to look at you at an old school player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I come in my pimp suit, you know what uh -huh. I'm saying? My tie going to come looking like Mr. Rogers, Doc. Uh -huh. <laughs> Mr. Rogers sweater on. <laughs> like yo, what's happening to Madden? What's going on? Everybody like walking out. Everybody walking out. <laughs> oh man! Let, let's let's hit another question or or comment. Uh, they just had one. There we go. Alfie says, Alfie Birch, thank you, brother Birch. Good to see you, Elder. Some of the new generation may know how to bring value to a situation, but they don't understand how to lead their generation. That's true. That's mm. true. That mm. can be very true. That that could be very true. And I think that's that's wisdom of looking. And, and you're not the only ones. I think sometimes we are too nostalgic and we kind of uh fantasize and Disneyfy 
mm-hmm. our black heritage to act like everybody was listening to Frederick Douglass and everybody was listening to Martin Luther King and everybody was behind W.E.B. Du Bois. Nah, they had a segment of people who believed in them and followed them. And then somebody else had a different philosophy and said, no, nah, we should go this way. Some were Malcolm, some were, you know, uh, Martin, some were W.E.B. Du Bois, some were Booker T. Washington. And then they all only captured the hearts of so many people because just like our society, a whole lot of folk were just trying to put their head down and live. They weren't trying to fight for all these higher ideals and put themselves in danger. They're trying to put food on their table every day. And I think we kind of want to make everybody a justice fighter and a warrior. And that might not be everybody's, you know, place. So I feel like we should be more gracious with you all that you're not the first generation to be divided and, and, and unfocused and, you know, looking for a leader. Uh, we, we, we've definitely made these people into like, you know, heroes now when other people were like, I don't know about them. What do you see? Um, what do you see? And, uh, and I know we haven't got here yet and maybe this can be a lead way into this, but what do you see from the church or the pastors um, that are coming up, uh, especially in your city? Uh, what do you see from particularly us now? What do you see from, from pastors? Or the church itself. And be brutally honest, brother. We want to hear the millennial mindset. How do you feel? Grade the pastors. F. Oh! <laughs> F. But. No, no, no. Hey. The upcoming pastors. Ex- ex- explain your. No, no, no. Start with the F. Start with the F. Explain your grade. Explain this grade. Come on. Break it down. Like how I said, just like the politicians. I got to look at the community. So it's like. I got to look at things from a higher level, higher, higher perspective. I see a lot of churches. I see a lot of pastors in the same community and everything's divided. Still, you got ain't, ain't no reason for real for real to have 10 churches in one community when for real, for real, you can have all the pastors come together. Y'all get one big mega church and have the whole community go there. Then, Y'all know the community. Everybody, all the community problems can go right there in the church. If anything goes wrong, everybody knows about it, basically. Then you'll have the bit, if anybody in the uh, community got a business, you'll know who who has businesses in the community. And it's like the church in the uh, local community, the businesses can work hand to hand. Then on top of that, it's like, like I said, going down to the political office. You got enough firepower to where y'all can go down there. So that's why I said F, because there hasn't been no building. I, Me personally, that I've seen. But now I have seen building. That's why I said now I've seen, like you, Pastor Todd, I follow you a lot. This is my first time meeting you, Pastor Stanford. No problem. I don't know. I don't personally know what you do, so I can't can't speak on you. So I can only speak on what I've seen. But I have seen Pastor Todd doing his thing. So I do give him, I do give him his props. It's appreciated. Mm-hmm. And you, 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 you said about, you know, and everybody's going to ask that same question, what you said about young leadership. Uh, mm-hmm. Elder Carter said it, but who's in charge? Everybody wants to know <laughs> if we all come together, if we all buy this big building and we do this and do that, 
you know, who's in charge. And, and honestly, and I've thrown that out there and taken my hits. Pastor Jeff knows, man, I've, I I put this joint in the Tribune Chronicle. All the churches yeah. should come together. <laughs> because you know what? Because I'm super stupid and I just say stuff that comes to mind. And sure. I'm not wise enough to just be quiet like everybody else. But, you know, what a lot of people just say, hey, God didn't tell me to do that. God didn't tell me. And you can't tell me that God didn't tell me. He has not told me to go down the street and partner with Pastor Todd or Pastor Jeff and, and, and get other churches together. He didn't tell me to do that. He told me to do what I'm doing and I'm going to do what God told me to do. Brother, it is it is what you said. It's a lot of ego. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of ego. And I mean, I, I, I would never question what anybody said, what God said to somebody. But, but you know. You're about to question it, though. Go ahead. Speak. <laughs> what's going on speaks your your congregation speaks the the life of the community speaks and you know it's just a reality and and so i I understand what you're saying you know i mean when you have the black powerful man in the black community and i do think i don't like to always use the word divided i've said this several times we're diluted we're like kool-aid with not enough sugar Mm mm-hmm you know, it's like we're there. We look like we should taste like something. We look like we should be doing something. And we all probably are in this mix, but we're not condensed enough to make the impact. And go ahead. I'm sorry. Go you ahead. know, that's just the reality that we awesome. We, we, we just can't. I can't force anybody. I can speak my opinion. And I know I have, but I can't make nobody that's been at this game for 30, 40 years say, all right, you know, I'm gonna close my doors and go over here. Would that be wonderful? Yeah. But I'll be but I do know that because of what we're going through and Pastor Harrison just said it. Thank you. Pastor Harrison said more churches are now considering it, though, because of the virus. And what I would say is that black people need to realize that we are by nature a slow moving people. We're a play it safe people. But if we're going to truly progress, we probably need to think more radically and progressively about everything and not some liberal Democrat. When I say progressive, radical, I'm saying for us. What will work best for us for future generations? Business, what you said about the church, you know, our communities. We need to start thinking radically. Envision a beloved community and start saying, what would that look like? Maybe it's going in and buying property together. Maybe it's trying to get houses. You know, thank you, Elder Carter. White churches are doing it. Didn't I tell you about that, Pastor Jeff? They went from church mergers to they call it now adopting churches. You ain't telling me about that. One. Yeah, so it's not called mergers anymore. It's called adopting. And that's just another term for a stronger, just like adoptive family, a stronger church taking on a church that we can be considered weaker mm-hmm. so that they can sort of pull the best and the most out of it. And I do think black churches need to consider it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Let me let me let me talk to you. Let me ask you, since we're already out there, since we're already here, let me ask you another thing. You know, because I have a son-in-law who's very strong-minded. Uh, it has very strong opinions about the church, uh, very spiritual, very strong minded and spiritual. But a lot of what he says will never do us any good because he's not in the church. Mm, okay. He's, you know, so you can have all these opinions and wake up every Sunday morning at home and it never does the church any good. So a lot of your generation just refuse to come in. And so how can you guys change anything from the outside? Sound like politics to me. Sounds like the same problem. How um is he 
is your uh, son-in-law is he actively doing the Lord's work or actually doing who he out in like the community? Because like necessarily, it's like how I feel. It's like he said he doesn't go to the church and stuff like that. Does he actually make an attempt to like at least talk to a pastor about? I mean, he does. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't say he doesn't do that. Yeah, he does do that. But I mean, and I'm not just, you know, putting him on the spot. I'm talking about so many of our young brothers and sisters who are who just completely they're bypassing the church mm-hmm. and you know saying that they have this relationship outside of the church. Um, do you have a problem, or, or do you is that the way you feel that like you don't have to go to church anymore? That's basically how um, we're not saying go to church anymore. I call it basically bringing not necessarily like church or basically bringing like enlightenment or some, some like that, wherever you go. Okay. Like you don't necessarily have to be inside the church to do the Lord's work. You just actively do it as you like basically live like helping people out day by day. Like, what can you do to make the next man better or the next woman right. during the day? So maybe that's how I think his perspective is, because that's what I do. That's my main reasons why I don't sit inside the church and I don't go to church anymore, because I grew up in the church. And for what I realized, as long as I'm out doing the Lord's work and I'm not, I don't have no evil in me while doing it. And I still give back at the end of the day. That's all that should matter, because at the end of the day, the, the Lord He's not going to send me to hell just for not going to church. That's how I feel. Okay. As long as I'm out there doing his bidding, basically. Let me push back a little bit and ask, knowing the history of the church and the good things that have been accomplished through the church in the black community, knowing that it has always been a center, do you not see value in being together for the sake of getting to know people, strategizing the mass you were talking about earlier? How do we get a mass of people together? You know, how do we get people on the same page? How do we get people for black communities? The church was often that central place. Mm -hmm. Most of the business owners, most of the, uh, you know, influential people were always connected to the black church. In Mm -hmm. fact, second was one of those churches. Just to be honest, second was one of those churches. You want a lawyer? I can introduce you to one in second. You want a business owner? I can introduce you to one in second. You want a doctor? I can introduce you one at, at second. You want a politician? I can introduce you. And so it's like, it almost sounds like the same political argument. There's this defeatist attitude about what isn't being done and what hasn't been done and what I can do on my own while we are denying the power of the mass. We're denying the power of being in the same room. I talked to you about this a while back about those young black men who need a good example. And we were like, we need mentors out here. I'm like, come to church. Let me introduce you. And yes, I could try to find, I feel like it's scattershot. It's like buckshot. When you try to say, oh, just find me a mentor. If you were walking in a building that just happens to have a gathering at least once a week, where you are going to run into a mentor if you just show up. Mm -hmm. It's, It's like saying, Go find me a banana when there's a store down the street full of bananas every single day. And that's I feel like generations are always saying, go find this. Let's find empowerment. Let's find unity. But let's not go to the place that's already set in our community. And I, I, I will say this. We have to accept that everything that is of value is normally organized among people in some kind of way. 
-hmm. And I have yet to see some other entity organize people together Mm -hmm. besides what we've been able to do in the church. Okay. Churches doing souls to the polls are still one of the biggest outreaches for voting in the black community. No other entity has built up a mass of people. No other entity is talking to as many people at one time as a pastor is. Can you just take me for instance, just me for instance. I'm getting up talking every Sunday on a regular Sunday. I'd be talking to several hundred people before COVID. Now I'm talking to hundreds and probably thousands by the time the week is up on Facebook. Can you name me another black leader in the city of Warner Trumbull County who's talking to that many people at one time? So I just feel like we are missing out that for black people, church was always spiritual and cultural. It, it, it is the collaborative. It doesn't have to be the be all end all because out of the church came organizations that are not necessarily a church, but you had your NAACPs, your A. Philip Randolph's, your community volunteer councils, your soup kitchens, your food, you know, food and clothing and all that stuff. But it usually starts every major black group in Warren was started by old church folk. It, it was. Mm-hmm. I can run down the line. And they're still run by folk usually who go to church. So I'm just saying, I feel like we're missing out on the inherent collaborative nature of the black church. Even if we're still wrestling with what we believe in our faith, because I believe that's what church is for. Now, I would say, and maybe we can jump into this, we have to be more willing to tackle hard questions you bring to the church. And not try to run you out when you have doubts about God and the word and the traditions that we preach. But I don't think and it's just like voting. I can't say nothing will change if I don't work on something to change. Right. And I'll be honest. I, I, I mean this with all my heart, and I hope my Second Baptist members don't get scared. If, if, if 50 millennials join my church, and I mean actually join the church, started coming, give a couple dollars every week. Every time we have a vote about should we do this and y'all vote, you would change everything the church does. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, we, so we talk about 5,000 folk changing what the city does. Like 25 young folk could change what a whole church does. So y'all be like, y'all be up there in all them robes. Y'all could vote the robes out if you wanted to. I mean, I'm not trying to scare my members, but I'm just saying, because <laughs> I know some of my members going to call me tomorrow and say, what you trying to do? What I hear you say on the book face. <laughs> what, somebody come, what'd you say on the Insta face? <laughs> but I mean it. If 25 young people join Second Baptist right now, and I'm just saying it as an example. And, oh, man, I don't want to come up with no stuff. And we decided, like, do we have to vote on, you know, what we're going to spend money on? You know, are we going to spend money on a a, a $10,000 cross or are we going to give $10,000 to help, you know, three people start a business? If y'all were a part of that and in the room with us, you could change where that $10,000 goes. But as long as you're out of the room, you know, this big entity, and let's be honest, it's not as much money as y'all think. But it is some money moving into church. It's not as much as y'all think. Y'all be looking at T.D. Jakes. Trust me, that is not worn <laughs> churches. <laughs> but I'm saying, I feel like there's a common theme. And that thing, that theme is individualism that denies the power of the collective. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'm out doing the Lord's work. And I'm like, but dude, if I can get five of you together and we strategize on how to do the Lord's work together, we could flip the sixth ward upside down. You know what I mean? And so that's just oh, me yeah, as we'll a pastor. Yeah. So when, I feel, go when, ahead. When we speak on millennials in, in churches, what, 
outside of just uh you know you having a problem with with you know the church is not coming together what is the problem with church for millennials and not just for you but i i know you have great friends and great people around what what would you say is the biggest problem uh for us even getting millennials to come back get millennials to come back Ooh, I would have to say, do uh, do better with the communities. Actually, show the millennials that you're actually actively like doing something beneficial for the communities. Like, and then also like, if the millennial has like any like businesses that they have that needs like either referrals or if it's beneficial to you guys, actually like buy their products or something. Like, basically do business with them. Because okay, because a lot of um, a lot of millennials face the fact it's like some of them they'll go they'd be told to go to the churches to do like businesses and stuff with them right and they're always told one thing oh this product's too much this product's too much and then the issue is it's like some of the people it's like their aunts their uncles their grandmas their grandpas their mothers their fathers like the whole family like they they all deep. Like most of them know, like, oh yeah, my mom made me put like three dollars, five dollars in the plate, putting ten in the plate. So, so you know where they money going. Uh, so I know where they money going. So it's like my it's like most of the millennials like, okay, my family is contributing to the church and the church is supposed to build, but they're not helping us build and they're just basically taking everything from us. All right, so let me be honest with you. I'm a 38-year-old pastor in the city of Warren. I'm the youngest pastor by far in the city of Warren. Jeff has come and closed that gap. You know, I mean, he, he's definitely younger than most of the pastors in the, in the city as well. But I'm, I'm, you know, by far, I've always been the youngest. Mm -hmm. You just said, I'm that dude. And I'm not blowing my own horn. You just right. said that I'm that dude. You are. I'm sure other millennials see that. Because I'll be honest, I feel it. Uh, they reach out to me. They, they <laughs> but I'll be honest, I don't see them. Mm. Okay. I, I don't see them. Let me let me let me ask you this real quick, real quick. Let me ask you this: If Pastor Todd and I done a Millennial Monday mm -hmm. once a month, would you be willing to get ten of your friends to come out to it? Yeah. Okay. Because okay. I think we got to meet you. You know, we have to meet you all halfway where you're at. Uh -huh. Honestly, when all we went through this COVID there. thing, when we went through this COVID thing, one of the issues I, I actually had a dream, and I have no problem being transparent. I know we're coming up on time. Mike about to give us the the hand clap. The uh, the <laughs> I feel it coming in my spirit. <laughs> you know but, uh, <laughs> so what I did was with the COVID thing to kind of solve the problem, people coming back to church and all is, you know, we could get a little bit of a crowd on Sunday and it's just not safe. A lot of older members. So we split it up. And honestly, my personal dream, and I didn't push it as much because sometimes I don't know how we all have weaknesses. A lot of preachers don't like to admit it. I created a six o'clock service uh, on Saturday night. And I was really hoping young people might want to come to it now. Promotion on that. I didn't promote it at all. I just kind of put it out and said, here's our service option. So when it comes to young people, I didn't go out and say, young folk, come to this, come to this, come to this. But let me turn the corner right quick. Honestly, if you come at six o'clock on Saturday, you're still just going to get a song and a sermon. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm getting yeah. up like just to talk to y'all. Yeah. And sometimes I worry that no matter what moves we make, what we know is church and the, the, the you know, I'm a preacher, I'm a preach. You know, I, I, I'm going to get happy. I'm a hoop. The organ going to play. And sometimes I hope that our millennials respect that. Like, 
Hey, if you rap, you rap. If you preach, you preach. If you sell, you sell. You do what you do. So I, I want people to come, but I don't want them to be like, oh, you know what? This is the same thing I could have got at grandma's church. And this ain't no different just because it's Saturday at 6 o'clock. But I know, to be honest, I preach to the crowd that's in front of me. And if I still got mostly 40s and 50s and 60s and 70-year-old people who are showing up and supporting, you know, now 15, 20 young adults walk in. I might not be rolling on the floor so much. <laughs> Give me one second, Charles. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, so does style make a difference in whether or not you'll engage in church? Yes, it does. It makes a huge difference. Okay. Like a lot of the millennials, they don't like the, the old traditional church where you got to sit down in there three, four hours. And it's like... Brother, we out in 60 minutes these days, man. It's a COVID. It's a pandemic. <laughs> and no, there's still some churches that be I know. You're right. You're right. You're hey, right. That's it. Let's you got to bring lunch snack with you, man. You got to bring a chicken wing in your purse. <laughs> uh-huh. As I say, you're doing your thing. You yeah. Now, I'll be honest. I've watched some churches who are very modern. I mean, many of them are not necessarily attracting young people who weren't already going to church, they might attract young people who were raised in church and just kind of like, you know, something more their speed. And that's usually because they're like really in tune. They listening to the new music. So they want to hear the new music. You know, they, you know, they listen to the newest gospel, whoever. But I've not seen a lot of churches in our own areas outside of large metropolitan areas like a New York or a Cleveland or a Pittsburgh, really the style thing making the difference in whether or not young black men and women who don't go to church start coming to church. I haven't seen that happen in mass yet. Matter of fact, I'll brag a little bit, and I'm sure Jeff is going to see this real soon at Progressive. My old hymn singing church has sometimes outpaced some more modern churches because, honestly, I do believe it's the message at the end of the day. Like, right, you know, right. that's what I was going to say. Sometimes it's the message. Like, the music might catch your ear, catch your eye. You really feel the presence of God or you feel love or you feel you're moved by worship or the singing or what have you. But at the end of the day, something's got to be said that touches you. Touches, touches you. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like preachers are preaching to touch you, Darius? Some, some yes and some no. I say it just depends on who the preacher is because most preachers, they, they, they drag out their message and it's not directly to the point and whenever they get to the actual message it's like they dragged it out so long that it's like (laughs) you didn't even catch it really okay yeah okay so it's like as long as they get to the point and directly like say like they had like a 30 minute segment everything directly to the point that's what we're looking for and yes that's what as long as i can feel it and i can personally it can personally help me out in whatever I'm going through or later on in life, if I'm ever faced in that situation, because you never know with life. As right. long as I feel like it can help me, that's all we're looking for. Man, I'm appreciating your perspective. I don't know about Pastor Jeff, man, but I'm appreciating. I'm taking notes. I'm about to put a stopwatch. I mean, I've been working on it. Now. I, I can go a little bit, but I've been working on it because I know that time conscious does matter. And again, you know, again, most of us who are preaching are preaching to people who don't mind a 45, 50 minute message. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And nobody's in front of me making demands to shorten it necessarily. I'm not saying now I get a little comments, you know, my deacon be like, you're a little long today, pastor. 
uh, well, I, well, my church to be full of uh, millennials. I should have three million millennials in my church. <laughs> Listen, right. I start off on a hundred. Right. In minutes, I'm done. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> hey, listen, everybody. We're coming to the end of our segment. We want to do a little bit of rapid fire. So if you have a rapid fire question, but while we're doing that, first of all, let's give a hand for Darius for being with us, for, for, for being uh, an amazing, intelligent, talented. Hey, look, you, you look this brother up. Everybody watching, TRF Marketing. I ordered a batch of shirts. I was pleased with what I got. Uh, Check out what he and his grandfather, Mr. Fred Harris, are doing with the Friends of Liberation Historical, uh, what is it, Foundation, I almost said Society, uh, <laughs> Foundation uh, to collect stories of African-Americans, of black folk in the Mahoning Valley. And we thank you for your perspective on politics, you know, faith, life. Uh, we want to take your rapid fire questions. Are we going to really make it rapid fire? Give each other 30 seconds to answer these questions. I got one. I know Big Mike probably has one because he's always trying to uh, to to, uh, to to trip us up. But I want to say this. And I know Pastor Jeff stands with me because we're boys and, and, and we stand with each other. He gives me great ideas. I give him great ideas. And, and you know what? If people think we're two peas in a pod, that's because we are. It, it, it really is because we are. And I think we both have a concern. And I want to say this. I think every pastor has a concern about young people. I have seen many, many pastors hearts. And they really do have a concern. Everybody doesn't always know how to reach. And again, many people focus on who's in front of them. And who's in front of them is who's in front of them. But I want to make a commitment tonight, and I know Pastor Jeff is, that even though our churches, uh, we both pastor older churches, Baptist churches, traditional churches, we want to make a real press to reach to young generations. And we're going to push that Millennial Monday. We're going to push, you know, even to our worship services. And when we see you, I know I'm going to try to think more about you. Yeah. You know, even when you're coming in, try to think more about you and not like I'm preaching to you and tell you what you want to hear, but I'm trying to package it in a way that will impact your life. Mm -hmm. So Darius, I appreciate what you're telling us because Thanks. I think you speak for so many who are on this show. So big Mike, we're real, in your hands real now. Quick, real quick, big Mike, before you, before you say it, somebody asked me earlier on the show that I played for pitch. Um, now, I started for East, if y'all, <laughs> as a freshman, you know, I started for East, you know, then I played for Wilson for a couple of years, so, I mean, just, you know, then y'all know, still. This you know, cat, this cat. Cleveland, if Cleveland want to put me some shove, listen, I'm, listen, I don't want to come pray for you, man. I don't want to have to come pray for you in the hospital. <laughs> All right, That's go ahead, what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up. Uh, yo, Darius. Yes, sir. love having you, man. Great Thank conversation. You. Great conversation. I've, I've been wanting to bridge this gap for a long time, so th this this was like right on time, man. So I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you guys for having um, me. Amen. First thing I want to do, you know, I always like to uh, support local artists, uh, entrepreneurs, and things like that. So I have to give a big shout out to my man Tory Hawkins from Sharon, Pennsylvania. He's uh, starting a clothing line. Actually, it's been out for a few years. It's called YGB Young okay. Okay. Blessed. So check him out on Facebook. Check him out on YouTube. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Instagram, Tori. Tori Hawkins. R-I-E Hawkins, yeah. Uh, now it's YGB Young Gifted and Blessed. Young Gifted and Blessed. 
I'm 50. I got it on, but I'm 50 years young. Gifted. <laughs> hey, did, didn't you say you had a kid that went to school with Darius? <laughs> <laughs> I did actually. I did actually. Yeah. Yes. Yes. My oldest son, Tevin. My oldest son, Tevin, ran track against him. That's but, all yeah. right. That's all right. All right. All right. Rapid fire. First question. Actually, this, this is to you, Darius. Okay. Being a millennial, you guys are so into social media. Why do you guys live out loud? It's always <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? I see poses like, I'm hungry. I'm bored. Or, you know what I'm like, <laughs> yeah, they be telling it all, man. I mean, these females be like, yeah, I just had sex like two seconds ago. Right. I just, <laughs> they roll over and be like... <laughs> <laughs> don't don't text me today. I got cramps. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. What's up with that, Darius? Well, I call it living out loud. You know, that, that's the only way I can describe it. They just live out loud. I don't understand. We're, so, we're I would say touch in touch with our emotions. Basically, gotta gotta express ourselves. You know, I understand that, but but to everybody. It is I can't say we came like this. He said we came like this. Uh-huh. <laughs> we came out the package like this. Uh-huh. I get it. I get it. Hey, you know what? If if you put the platforms out there, somebody's gonna uh-huh. use it. And young uh-huh. people are always the ones that you know take hold of stuff. And right. I remember when Facebook used to be all these deep thoughts and uh right, you know right, right. milestones <laughs> now it's like look at my half-eaten hamburger right. okay um another one now one of my biggest pet peeves on social media is when people say pray but don't ask questions like pray but don't oh, ask questions right, right i want the whole story <laughs> exactly now th- th- this question is for everybody when you're on facebook and you say you're gonna pray for somebody do you really pray for him? I think about him. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, honestly, for me, I generally do right then. I may, I might say a small prayer, type out a small prayer. Even the day when I was uh, leaving church, uh, you know, we had the food giveaway after the after uh, after the go to the polls. A lady asked me to pray for her aunt who was somewhere out of town, and I was like, okay, I will. And I walked away. I went right back. I said, we're gonna do it now. Because yeah. I know, I'm, I, and I've done it right then. So. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm not gonna lie, man. I, I, I I'm, I'm like Todd. I, I think about him, but I don't always pray for him. Man. I mean, let's be honest. Social media, we, 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 we. Some people do, but most people don't take it seriously. Is so much being said. Take ten seconds to scroll through your social media, and very little of that you actually take actually seriously. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got everything like we just said, this petty stuff, sports stuff. Then right in the middle of that, it'll be something crazy like, I got five kinds of cancer. You know, somebody pray for me. <laughs> and it's so, it's not a part of it. It's such a weird conversation to be a part of. So I think it's not because people don't care. It's because the platform has begun to mold our minds, you know, to just be so scatterbrained and unfocused and then not taking everything seriously. So I, if I know it's a serious prayer request, but when it's that stuff like pray, but don't ask questions or I'm going to do something serious, honestly, most people don't have like the mental just sensitivity to really stop right there. Right. And, and most of our discernment ain't that strong to pray and don't ask, what am I praying for? I, I mean, the sky, right. I don't know. Listen real quick. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. Dr. Jonathan Mason, thank you for joining us. First of all, Dr. Mason, 
But I didn't know something was what's wrong with red cups. They, <laughs> that's the party <laughs> cup, man. What's wrong with red? I bought these so that my wife don't gotta wash dishes. That's yeah, like you don't know, cups. man. You got styrofoam. Know. Styrofoam white cups are the sanctified cups. <laughs> red cups are the devil cups. Everybody <laughs> knows that. <laughs> This is Pepsi. Listen, listen. No, no, man. We are not fooled by your props, man. We are not fooled by your throw-offs. This is Pepsi. You got Henny. Everybody knows it, Jeff. Everybody knows it. Listen, this coming from the man who I can vividly recall going to church on the first Sunday and getting drunk off our communion. That's because I ain't used to drinking. I didn't know it was real wine. All right, all right. I gotta back upstairs. I got. I got a rapid fire. I, I got a rapid fire question, and it, it goes back to yesterday. And I don't know if you can relate to this yet, Darius, but I'll give it. Have you recently had and tell us about it recently? I'm getting old moment. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to give you mine. I'm going to give you mine. I had the distinct pleasure. I'm waiting on the picture to come. Uh, mm-hmm. Pastor Harrison's already beat me to it. But yesterday I had the distinct pleasure of meeting and greeting with uh, Senator Kamala Harris in Cleveland oh. Saturday morning uh, with a group, a small group of pastors, very small group of clergy uh, because of COVID. Got mm-hmm. asked, you know, if I would go up there when she got off the plane, meet, greet, pray, and all that. But I also was looking for a bagger leaf leafer for my riding lawnmower, uh-huh. and I found one in Cleveland the same day. So I was actually more excited about getting the leafer <laughs> and the bagger. Uh-huh. And the whole time we was waiting on Kamala, I was like, I wish she'd hurry up so I could go get this leafer. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I said, like, I am my dad. My whole life is surrounded by the yard work now. That's all I care about. Is yard work? Yeah, that's it's basically. I like, I like the feeling of, of paying my bills. Okay. <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's old folk behavior. Uh-huh. <laughs> you feel like you accomplished something when you get all them bills paid, and you. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> right. What's yours, Jeff? Man, it was it was last night. My wife wanted me to grab some gas, so she didn't have when to you get start off with last night money. and your wife, I got scared because I'm like, here we go again. <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> here we go again with Jeff. <laughs> All right, go ahead, go ahead. You're getting gas, praise God. So you know, I was tired. I I, I just threw on whatever I had on, and I went up to the gas station, and I got out the car, and everything just started aching. For wow. Memory, oh, I had some aches. And, and the guy was like, Pastor Jeff. I was like, Who's, you, you just happened to see me at this moment. Right, right. It was, it was actually uh, one of Danielle uh, Gwari, whatever her name is, one of her sons. It was okay. A, it was a he said, man, you get no. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, you are. <laughs> so that was the recent one. Okay. Yo, mine, mine is, man. I used to be able to get right up in the morning when the alarm clock go off. Oh yeah, not no it's more. Not happening. <laughs> yeah, you take you your time. Sit there for like two or three minutes and get ready. Yeah, warm up. <laughs> you like an old car. <laughs> 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 
Does anybody anybody have any rapid fires out there in Facebook land? Yeah, come on, y'all. We got five more minutes. I'm gonna give y'all five more minutes. Five man. minutes for rapid, rapid fires. We uh, already over. We already hey, over. Hey, I told you gonna kill me. I told my I told my son the other day. He he was trying to get uh get some bread. I, I told him like my grandmother used to tell me. I said, "Ratch around, ratch around, ratch around, ratch around there and get it." <laughs> Rush around there and get that thing. <laughs> rush, rush, rush around there. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to go too long because Mike could be outside again in the cold. And we don't. <laughs> hey, I'm allowed in the house. You allowed? No, allowed man. Listen, house. listen. We think there's a whole conspiracy theory going on. He broke into he broke into somebody's house. <laughs> <laughs> that house that house is for sale down the street somewhere. <laughs> hey, it was forty degrees. I couldn't do it tonight, bro. I couldn't do it tonight. We yeah. got one question though. We got one last question. This is the last one. All right. If you could tell young people in the city of in the city of I should say city of Warren, Youngstown, wherever, one thing, what would it be? Uh Warren, okay, and I think this applies to any city. I would say to young people, take finance and economic strategy and, and power seriously at an early age. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I would say. Take finance, personal finance, and economic power and stability seriously at an early age. That, that's me. I know preaching and faith and Jesus. I'm just talking practical stuff. That's what I would say. The same. And no on, on those lines, I would say, uh, and I know it's just along with finance credit. Take your yeah. yeah. We have too many young people we can jump off their eagles and land on their credit score. Listen. It is very important credit. And you know, regardless of how much money you got, if you got credit, you can still get it. They, they can take a lot of things away. They can take away that credit score. So absolutely. I get it. I get it. My my advice. Yo, stop living out loud on social media. Stop living out loud. That definitely bothers Grandpa Mike. <laughs> Grandpa Mike is definitely bothered by y'all. Nah, I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, honestly, I hate Facebook as it is. The only yeah. reason I'm on it is for the free promotion. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah. when, you, when you see the name, you already know what they're going to post about, what they're going to complain about. Just stop living out loud. Yeah, I feel you. Darius, you get the last word. What would you say to a young person in the city of Warren? Yes, sir. For a young person in the city of Warren, I'm going to add on to what you said because you need to know economics, politics, finance, business, and maintenance, like financial maintenance. That's key because you could have all the money in the world, but if you blow it off, then what you going to do at the end? You're going to be broken poor. You can't do nothing. That's it. Learn how to build like generational wealth, learn how to build that way, and then also learn inner peace. I feel you. I got you. We about to we about to throw you in the millennial Mondays, Darius. You're gonna be right there with us. Yes, sir. Deacon Deacon Darius. Thank you, Deacon Darius. Yes. Hey, your, hey, your mama said your mama said she's going to sleep. So say goodnight to your mama, Darius. It's back to bedtime. I'm gonna FaceTime you. Okay. <laughs> We got to go, man. All right. Appreciate you, Mike. Hey, everybody. It's been a great show. Mike's going to let himself out, and we're going to say our goodbyes to Rice. Thank you very much. You opened up our eyes. You challenged us. You answered with excellence and intelligence, and we appreciate you. All of the excuse me, all of the comments, we appreciate that everybody was tuning in. Please like and share this episode, The Millennial Mindset. You will be educated and derived. We always say it. 
we're going to bring you back, man. We're going to continue yeah. to collaborate yeah. with you. Check out TRF Marketing on Facebook. See if you can't give some business or perhaps you have a project you're working on. Y'all got to have family reunions one day. You know, you got to order them T-shirts. Roz, make sure you hit me up on Facebook. Get with me. I want to I want to talk to you about T-shirts, man. Yes, sir. Appreciate Thank you that. so much, Darius. You have a great night and you Thank take you care. Thank you. Man, it's been a great night, Jeff. It's been great, man. I Listen, the day started off crazy. I'm on my way to church, man. I, I, I was at the corner of Northwest and, and uh, what is that, Southern, and I see cops coming. I see cops coming, about four cops. I had to pull up on the curb because I thought they was going to hit me. Somebody checked, running from the cop. Two, oh. two flat tires, man. That's like, crazy. Where are you going? They was going to church. I know that. I mean, no, not just flat tires, busted tires. Where, where, how far do you think you're going to get? But, uh, you know, it, we praying for him. I don't know. I, he didn't look like he got stopped. I tried to drive around and see if he got stopped. You know? <laughs> I don't know. Life is life, man. But, hey, our final message is this. Vote, vote, vote. And vote. make sure everybody votes early and gets it November in. November 3rd, last day. Please get it in. Please get it in right now. Get it in. All right. This is Religiously Incorrect. Check out our podcast on Spotify, on Apple Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all your platforms. Go to the website, religiouslyincorrectpodcast.com. Get your gear, your shirts, your hoodies. And until next time, Mike, take us out. 